0: This is the ASE Podcast with your moderator, Kevin Pei, Houston Methodist Hospital, June Shim, Wright State University, and Tanya Aurora from Augusta University Health. This program brought to you by the Committee on Education Technology of the Association for Surgical Education. Embracing the mission of excellence, innovation, and scholarship, the ASC is impacting surgical education globally.
1: Well, welcome back to the uh, ASC podcast. We've had a a bit of a hiatus, but we're excited to be back for the first of this year, and I'm very thrilled to have a special guest. This is our uh, annual ASC presidential podcast, and we have our new president of the society, Dr. Uh, Danny Scott from UT Southwestern. Hi, Dr. Scott. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, So some introduction. I know a lot of people already know him quite well. Um, He's obviously an accomplished uh, educator and education luminary. Uh, He currently holds the Frank H. Kidd Jr. Distinguished Professorship in uh, Surgery, like I said, at UT Southwestern. He's also the Assistant Dean uh, for Simulation and Student Integration and has a vast amount of a background and experience and all sorts of uh, levels of uh, educa- surgical education. And I'm, uh, we are very thrilled uh, that you are our new president and that you can join us for our podcast. Well, thank you very much. So, you know, when we were planning this presidential podcast, uh we we're gonna talk a little bit about the normal things about career development and, and your vision as a president for the society, but as we all know, these are very troubled and crazy times and uh and I thought maybe this time we'd start the conversation by getting a sense of where where your mind is at with race issues surrounding America, as well as, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic that's both overlapping now uh, on our society.
2: Yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you. It's a joy for me to um, join you, and it's been a dream come true for me to have the honor of being president of the ASE. Um, and I, I look forward to sharing more uh, thoughts around my journey. To answer your question specifically, this has been a rough spring. You know, we, we had great hopes for a wonderful meeting in Seattle. We all cherish the time with one another as colleagues. And I think we've, we've realized that now more than ever, how important the social interactions are for our uh, overall well-being, our mental well-being, our emotional well-being. Um, and I think the virtual world we're living in to a large extent uh, allows us to have meaningful interactions and uh, transfer of scientific information, uh, but there really is no substitute for some of the uh, in person uh, interactions that we are accustomed to. So it's been a rough spring, I think, for all of us, and, and our world is changing with COVID. Um, I'm now back three weeks into the clinical arena doing elective surgery. Uh, and I'm very comfortable doing that. I feel safe in the hospital with the protocols being observed, but I feel sorry for um, our partners in Los Angeles, for instance, that are still under quarantine and are taking uh, bets, as I heard on a conference call today, as far as uh, when uh, that might lift. So yeah. I think we're all facing different phases of uh, of the COVID pandemic and looking at uh, uh, fairly significant changes in the landscape uh, for many different levels of learners, I think one of the hardest hit groups has been the medical student uh, uh, group over the last couple of months. Uh, at least I can speak from uh, my own institution and, and uh, how hard it hit their clinical experiences. Um, and, you know, really all we needed was uh, such, uh, all we didn't need was such a, a, um, a, a global awareness coming to, uh um an emotional height if you will regarding uh the racism that we're facing in our country yeah. uh and i i think it's been um just outright terrible to witness uh the problems that we have witnessed um and then the public reactions uh have been understandable uh but certainly disconcerting as well so um i think we all have a lot to learn and i've I, I, um would like to talk about the diversity efforts that our organization uh, has been undertaking.
1: Oh, we're seeing our learners struggle um, so much, and, and I totally agree with you that it's been a bad it's been a bad few months. And um, I think the learners are just just getting over the hump and getting re- uh, used to the idea of virtual learning and all these new platforms. And then I know that lots of our residents and students are quite struggling with. With um, what we witnessed as uh, police brutality and racism in America.
2: Absolutely, and uh, I think it hits home with with uh, so many of us. Uh, especially, you know, I don't think I'm alone in saying this. You know, as scientists, as physicians, um, I, I think we have generally a good culture, um, yeah. and we strive to have an excellent culture at the ASE where we believe in equity and we value people for who they are. Um, And when we see such atrocious crimes and uh, atrocious uh, racism in our world, uh, it's offensive. It's repugnant. And uh, I, I think that's disconcerting. It, it, it really threatens to, to, um, weaken our foundation as human beings and for what we believe in as educators and as scientists and physicians. Um, So I I think it's it's appropriately created a pause in our framework and as you've pointed out, unfortunately it's superimposed on a few months of heartache. I truly believe that we have an opportunity to grow from all of these challenges we have faced and I'm seeing actually more optimism uh, in that uh, vein that um, our society must change and will change uh, in, in relation to both the COVID epidemic and more importantly, uh, probably in relation to uh, the racial injustices that, that we have been witnessing.
1: Yeah, well, then, well I really appreciate you sharing uh, and I appreciate you sharing your personal thoughts about them, I I do wanna pivot back to the original, um, the presidential podcast and one of the things that has been a highlight of these podcasts is um, really outlining the career paths of our presidents and our leaders of the society uh, and part of the reason is because if you look at when you talk to young junior faculty and residents who are interested in careers of surgical education Sometimes they go well. How how did Dr. Scott get to be president of the society? How did he be, how did he become dean? So maybe you can uh, maybe you could share with our audience members how how did you get to where you are now?
2: Sure, I think that's a wonderful way of uh, approaching um, uh, leadership and and sharing our journeys with other people. And I'll I'll try to be succinct, but uh, storytelling is is. Uh, is of the nature where we can digress sometimes uh so uh, guide me as appropriate but my journey started really as a fourth year student and i knew i loved surgery i i got into the operating room i, I went to lsu medical school in new orleans where I, i'm from and i was doing a sub eye uh in Baton rouge at the at the public safety net hospital there a place called earl k long hospital that no longer exists after some co- consolidation of that system. Um, But I was doing 18 hour days well before work hour uh, reform and uh, I loved it, but I thought the lifestyle was a little bit, um, could be trying. And you know, it's all about mentorship and relationship building. And fortunately I had a very good relationship with the chairman of surgery at that time, Dr. Pat O'Leary, who's a big figure in American surgery. And and Dr. O'Leary was very approachable. And I was candid with him, probably more candid than I would advise medical students today to be.
1: Um, (laughs) But I
2: I leveled with him and said, Dr. O'Leary, I I love surgery. I'm worried about uh, when I get out, you know, I want to do private practice. And uh, if it's these grueling days that I'm seeing, you know, on my sub-eye, I I don't know if I really want to do that. Uh, And I was thinking about um, possibly going into radiology instead because I love anatomy and um he said son i i can help you uh i think you probably would do uh, well working with some uh surgeons in the new orleans community go check it out see what you think and i did he paired me up with uh several different surgeons and i got to see some folks that really honestly didn't have great lifestyles and then some that had it uh very well squared away one in four calls so one night out of monday through thursday and one week in a month and i said man i can do that and so the rest is history. And um, I matched to UT Southwestern, did my training in Dallas. And, um, you know, another mentor uh, stepped into my path, uh, Dan Jones, who's actually a former president of the ASC. And yeah. Dan was a very junior faculty, had trained at Wash U, and was recruited to UT Southwestern by another mentor of mine, uh, Jim Carrico, was our chair. And Dr. Carrico had been pivotal in the American College of Surgeons to start up um, Uh, innovative efforts and uh, trying to train people, surgeons, and new procedures, and he recruited Dan to be our minimally invasive guy. And Dan ran amok with that theme and recruited me into the lab to do two years of research, and my topics were simulation, uh, bariatric surgery, and minimally invasive surgery, so three things that I I remain interested in to this day. And those years were formative because I, I really figured out that I enjoyed uh, doing research and having time to, to critically read literature and to summarize literature and to write papers and to write uh, chapters and to network with colleagues and, and all of the things that the academic milieu affords uh, one. And so that's really the, the start of my journey. Uh, was getting the academic bug um, and uh, finding the right place. And eventually, after a little Hurricane Katrina, wound up back at Southwestern, having spent several years at Tulane University Medical Center in New Orleans as faculty. And um, I've really enjoyed my journey. I I got recruited back, Kevin, to to Southwestern to be in charge of simulation training because Uh that uh, was a huge chunk of my research. Um, and uh, active publication and collaboration with others, and those were were some fantastic years. Um, And then I ultimately decided uh, uh, to seize the opportunity to uh, be a program director uh, for our surgery residency, and at that time we had the largest surgery residency in the country. Uh, We still graduate 13 residents a year, so a fairly big enterprise and a much different role than being a simulation director. And I learned a lot. I, I held that post for five years, and it was one of the best jobs I've ever had w- while Simultaneously being one of the most demanding not only on me, but on my family um, yeah. Because that if if you're truly dedicated in that role, it's a it's a full-time job all the time um, And and you have as I always said I had 82 children in addition <laughs> to my two my two daughters at home yeah. but um, you know, that that was certainly a, a journey in and of itself. And then ultimately, I landed into my current position as assistant dean for simulation. Um, after that, with our uh, university building a new campus-wide initiative, integrating all students, all um, school of health professions, uh, learners, all GME learners and, and faculty into one new um, enterprise of a simulation center. And um every step of the way you 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 uh have different challenges, you learn different things and um I'm grateful for all of the uh teamwork that I've been afforded through all of these journeys. Um and so that's that's where I am today.
1: And you know, uh from from listening to you about your journey, I'm hearing a theme which is mentorship and uh and that you are very proud to share that your your success in large part was due to wonderful mentorship. Is that is that fair, a fair statement?
2: Absolutely, and there's so many people that remain unnamed, but every step of the way you're leaning on somebody either at your own institution to help guide you or somebody yeah. that you're close to elsewhere. And sometimes those relationships ebb and flow where you're really close to somebody for a few years because they truly understand what you're going through, and then you know, it might take a break on really using them as, as your primary go to, but they're always there, and you build basically friends um, yeah. through every organization that I've been a part of, uh, including especially the ASC, it turns into a family where this is your your group of folks away from home, usually since we travel, now they're our virtual family away from home. Um, But it it becomes those mentorship relationships and uh, collaborations uh, begin to feel very natural. And I think they're invaluable.
1: Yeah, and that's a great transition then to what I wanted to touch base on next, which is you're obviously, you know, to become president of the society, you've always you've been incredibly involved and in, and impactful in the society. How much do you think your participation in ASC has impacted you both as uh, a teacher and as a leader?
2: Yeah, um, great question, Kevin. You know, I, I like to tell stories, so I'll tell one of how I got involved with the ASC and, and yeah. what it really means to me. And um, it was during my two years of research time that I, I took off from uh, residency. And I was doing a lot of simulation work and um, and research and looking for venues to publish. And um, I was introduced to the ASE uh, as a venue to submit more work. And to my delight, and what little did I know, I was a surgery resident at the time, um, One of my other mentors, a senior mentor, Royce Laycock, a surgeon in Dallas at at UT Southwestern, uh, was one of the individuals that started the ASE in 1981. Um, And my first ASE meeting was in the year 2000, and it was in Toronto. And I got to attend that meeting uh, with Dr. Laycock. And, uh, to, you know, to this day, I hold that as a very special um, occurrence, um, you know, that, that some 20 years down the road, I was attending a meeting uh, with him yeah. uh, of the organization that he helped found. And now another 20 years down the road, as we approach the 40th anniversary next year of our organization, uh, I've, I have this tremendous honor of being the ASE president. So ASE has held a very special place for me the entire time. Now, the culture, I would argue, has remained uh, very rich, very warm, very welcoming that whole time. I remember being a resident in Toronto at that meeting and going to the ASE banquet. And at that time, it was off campus and, uh, you know, people sang karaoke on stage. Also, <laughs> we have a, a named lectureship now after he was on stage and a vest that he would wear quite a bit. And, um singing karaoke with like dev De Rosa. i mean i mean
1: <laughs>
2: this was just a hoot okay yeah. so to see these established esteemed educators in yep. in surgery uh you know have a flat hierarchy and be all welcoming and not pretentious that resonated with me and it said, look, we stand for good science and good friendships and, and to help people. It's all about uh, servant leadership. Is yeah. that, that's one of the values that I saw readily and I still see today in the ASC. So it was formative, Kevin, in, in helping me identify with values that were important at that early stage of my career, embrace them. And I always hit a home for my research. Yeah. um and i always learned things when i came to the ase meetings because you have people that are, are full-time surgical educators uh giving the yeah. talks and 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 doing a lot of the pivotal research and then you also have a lot of folks like me uh that were into various events of research we all had a commonality that that we were focused on education and when we get back to our own institutions a lot of folks really focus on their clinical efforts, uh, okay. you know, and, and we do that, too. But uh, we really have the bent in, in a scientific fashion towards surgical education. And so to be surrounded by like mindedness and enrichment through new ideas, uh, cross pollinating with one another, it always made me bigger than I was by myself, always inspired me. And I looked at my colleagues within ASE and I still do with admiration of the selflessness of the giving back uh and doing it for the greater good of man, not because there's some uh you know, monetary reward that they are met with for all of these heroic efforts of trying their best and, and to, to teach students, to teach residents, fellows all levels and to uh, improve the way we do those things. I think people um really identify with folks that seem not in it so much for themselves right but because it's a it's uh something they believe in and it's yeah. in their dna uh i think as educators um that's us and then and that's the ASC. we are the ASC as our new um Diversity Task Force group that started last year as, as champion this year. ASE is me. You belong here. But you know these things are within us, and after a certain amount of time, you're doing them because they motivate you internally. Yeah. Um, and so I Agreed. think that's that's the nature of this work is people enjoy it. As you said, you have to have a passion for it um, because it's it's it's, ar- it's arduous work, and it's it's not always the high-profile work that people get recognized for or thanked for. Certainly in our organization, we give a lot of awards out to try to recognize people's efforts, but uh, there are a lot of unsung heroes.
1: Let's be a little bit forward-thinking and and talk about your vision um, for the society. Um, What what do we have to look forward to for the uh, Scott years at the ASC? Yeah,
2: (laughs) well... um, you know, it's it's kind of a daunting kind of thing to think about. Okay, it's my year of presidency, and what's our meeting theme going to be for next year? And um, and then you layer in some of the. Uh, psychological like and emotional factors around uh, the uncertainty in our environment today. Yeah. Um, but Mark DeMoy will be our program chair, or is our program chair for the 21 meeting. We're supposed to be in Boston, and I hope that uh, we, we are able to do things just as planned because you, you just can't beat the, the energy and the excitement and the opportunities for um, interaction. At our traditional format. And so he and I have talked about an idea that came out of some of our committee meetings uh, this past April. I heard a term, I think maybe by Dimitri Stefanidis about energizing surgical education. And and I like that theme, uh, Kevin, because it embraces what we've just talked about, the energy that people have around their passion. And um, it encompasses so much of what we do. And and if you think about that in our ever-changing world right now, the innovations that are needed. How do we train medical students yeah. when they've missed a couple of months of clinical uh, experience? Uh, you know, when we have more throughput to do now, uh, and still some constraints you know, more throughput to, to play catch up and arguably in many environments constraints, whether that's, um, because of, uh, ramp up periods on clinical, uh, areas or still persisting safety concerns or limits in the types of patients that students are allowed to see. But there, there's a lot of innovation at, at hand. And I'm seeing that in my world where in simulation, uh, we're having to lean progressively on, um, uh remote activities to do simulation um yep. whether that's remote learning and practicing with a suture kit at home uh or remote proctoring to help train people with assistance or remote observation for skill verification and doing a post test uh yep. remotely uh these are all realities for us so you know we we look towards innovation in our organization and um those are just a few examples in my world but i think collectively we have a lot to learn a lot to share with one another and our clerkship directors group is is very active um you know along those lines of of helping us catalog uh what changes have been done uh within uh the COVID era and um we've talked a bit about diversity but i'm really excited about um work that was started last year when Ron John Sudan was president to establish a diversity equity and inclusion task force yeah. uh, under our membership committee and That is an obvious area that, that we do embrace and need to champion even further uh, and so I, I think we're really going to see some um, good work uh, being done by that group and um I think more than anything, if if you think about the last few years of our organization, we've grown a membership. Uh, we have a tremendous annual meeting now. And um, because of our growth, we've had a uh, need to partner with a, our, our new management group increasingly. And so uh, we um, have gone through the first three years of our contract and are renewing. Um, And that's allowed us to do more as an organization. And so I'm particularly excited. You know, if you think back to Amalia Cochran being president, um, she started a a strategic plan 2018 to 2021. We're still in the midst of that. And that helped uh, set the beacon uh, for the direction of our organization with a lot of consensus building and priorities uh, being set. Um, if you look at uh, Sue Steinman, she helped blossom out a governance task force to help us uh, really refine the organizational structures of a lot of our activities. Um, and then Ron John did a superb job uh, this past year uh, building on all of those successes uh, and uh, navigating us through arguably very difficult waters um yeah. as we saw a lot of unexpected things come our way so more than anything i'm i'm looking very forward to building on what has been done over these past few years partnering increasingly with our management company uh that is in a great position to help us achieve our goals and to um work very closely with our committees to champion all of our projects
1: yeah fantastic and i i personally really appreciate you reaching out to all the the different committees to sort of uh, to, to check in at the very beginning of your presidency, but also I'm very, very excited um, about all the all the innovation that the executive board is p- um, placing in um, faculty development programs. I mean, I I feel like in these troubled times, as far as surgical education is concerned, that the society is really, like you earlier mentioned, a beacon of um, hope, a beacon of light in these um, um, often very dark times, and I, I think that's great.
2: Yeah, and I, w- I would agree with you, Kevin, and build on that just with a follow-up comment, is even though things seem arduous, uh, we're, we're I think we all pause a second and are grateful for what we have. And ironically, we may actually be able to uh, offer more value to our membership in these yeah. trying times than normal. Um, you know, Mo Shabahang is program chair of the, the meeting that was canceled in Seattle, has put together a plan for ASE highlights uh, and sessions in in August and and September to share some of the the most relevant content with our members uh, and with non-members. And I I think that asynchronous offering is going to be a big hit.
1: Um,
2: And the programs we're doing around faculty development, mentorship, surgical education leadership. we we think that we will have some real flagship opportunities for our members to uh, further develop their skill sets, their knowledge, and capabilities.
1: Yeah, ex- um, definitely exciting, um, exciting times for the society. I I have to ask you um, to predict the future <laughs> a little bit. Um, and one of the things that's on a lot of educators' minds now is, you know where we're, most of us are expecting the second wave, whether it's going to come or not, who knows. Um, are we prepared uh, from an education standpoint for the second wave of COVID-19? And um, if not, what are some tips maybe that you have for how organizations can can specifically prepare for their learners for the second wave?
2: Great question. And I hope that we get best practices established, and I anticipate that we will. Yeah. for innovations for surgical education uh in the COVID era. And um I, I I really think that we are gonna see the ASE help with that and catalog them and disseminate them uh for a lot of our different learner groups, especially for our medical students. So we all hope that there's not another complete shutdown. We saw the economy get crippled, we saw our educational opportunities um constrained severely, and and certainly, you know, our surgical practices in our communities. So I think we will be better prepared uh, overall. We will have embraced by then uh, a lot of these lessons. I think that we'll have better understandings medically of how to um, remain functional, even in the settings of increased cases. We know how to diagnose and treat the cases better. The survival rates are uh, arguably increased. Uh, Testing in the communities, antibody testing, uh, survivor donor plasma um, donations. Uh, These are all things that I think are going to change the game and hopefully we will never see another crisis like we saw in mid-March. Um, from an educational standpoint, we have to be smart about this. We have to be prepared to carry on business as usual, even if it's under different circumstances or using different modalities. So I think the onus is on us to be creative and yep. to allow these things to happen and to share them.
1: Um great advice. And I, I really do hope uh if I'm hoping the second wave doesn't come, but if it does come I really do hope that all the collective experiences uh especially with um perhaps ASC leading the charge uh is is that whatever happens that learners will have a place to go for a surgical education um and, and I really do hope that we're all we're all prepared out here you know for for the potential of a second wave um, i hope so
2: too kevin and yeah. it, it has to be better i, yeah, I don't agreed. think we can uh we do, i would not wish that whole um, experience on on any of us again.
1: Yeah, totally agree. We, uh, we're we going to wrap up our podcast, and uh, one of the things that we like to do is ask um, our experts about final thoughts and specifically about career wisdom. Any advice for our listeners who are yeah, interested in pursuing a career in surgical education?
2: You bet. I, what I always try to convey to young people that I work with is to formulate a mindset of of what you enjoy, hopefully something that that you're good at uh and do it because you love it, uh not because anyone is forcing you to um, and and to find the right fit and the right journey for you and sometimes um, that's obvious, sometimes it's not obvious uh, and at some point you just have to pick and jump in, and if you're miserable, you can always change and if 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 you picked correctly and it is a good fit then uh, you reap the advantages of not having to slow down. But um, I think that's my most important message to folks is, is to find something that, that they really enjoy, that, as you pointed out, have a passion for, yeah. um, and to, to rely on on relationships through collaborations and through mentors uh, to to gain a sense of fulfillment uh, and to help succeed in, in their endeavors. Uh, so, I, I, you know, so much of what we do, we believe in, and we hope others really enjoy similar things with us. And and for those folks with similar interest, uh, surgery is a wonderful uh, field for me. Um, I wouldn't do anything else. Um, and and education makes it all that much more richer, where we are educating the the physicians that will take care of us tomorrow and the leaders of uh, surgery and surgical education uh, that will only continue to meet the adapting changes of our environments and uh, lead us to uh, improve quality, safety, uh, and care in the future.
1: Yeah, wonderfully said, wonderfully said, and and great advice uh, for our audience. Dr. Scott, we want to thank you for joining us on the ASC podcast, and I know uh, I, I I speak for many that we're all very much looking forward to your leadership of ASC this year.
2: Well, Kevin, it's it's a dream come true for me, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to uh, do this podcast with you. With you, so thank you very much.
1: And audience members, thank you so much for tuning in, and, and don't forget to subscribe. We're on Apple uh, iTunes um, podcast, and uh, please tune in for our next episode. Thanks very, thanks very much, everybody.
0: And that wraps up another edition of the AIC podcast brought to you by the Committee on Education Technology the Association for Surgical Education. You can check out many great resources on the ASE website at www.surgicaleducation.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast series where we discuss pressing issues in surgical education. We invite you to join ASE and get involved and wish you success in your pursuit of surgical education excellence.